Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about the Upper Room, please visit newroom.org. Hey, tonight I want to give us some keys of intimacy. You know, all of this is about knowing Jesus more. There's nothing else that works. Like tonight is not about getting you excited. It's not about like making you feel like you're going to be more committed. You know, that's what I I used to think ministry was in the early days. It was like, I have to make you do what you don't want to do. You know, like be more committed, come more this week, you know. And I'm really thankful that's not what I'm called to do. And, uh, and I'm so thankful I grew up in, I grew up in a Baptist church and I, I met the Lord at eight years old and, and my parents were amazing. They really lived their faith. My mom is still alive. My dad passed away about five years ago and, and he, he was a professor at the seminary, the Baptist seminary over here for over 40 years. And they actually named their school of missions and evangelism after my dad. And he's the real deal. And everywhere I go, people come up to me and they say, my life was changed because of your dad. And, and literally, people chase me down. I've had it happen on just about every continent that people come up in the strangest places. I've had it happen even in Bosnia, you know, that, that people come up and say, hey, your, your dad influenced my life because of the reality of Jesus that was present in the classroom because he just couldn't simply go through the motions of teaching a class. He would really pray, and, and they would sing and even worship in the classroom. And he had such a passion for revival, and I'm just so thankful for that heritage. But it was when I went away to university, and I, I went to Baylor, and I was there in my dorm room one night um, in November of 1981, um, right around this time. And my roommate and I were praying. We had such a burden for our church back in Fort Worth, and we were praying. And the presence of God came in that room. And I don't know how to describe what happened that night. And I just want to say that I've never gotten over it. And it lasted for about five hours. And we were just, you know, good Baptists. We didn't know anything about shaking or groaning. And and we were just sitting there shaking and groaning. And I had never wanted to be in ministry before. I wasn't against it. It was working great for my dad. And and I thought it was awesome. I was going to go work on computers. And, uh, but after that night, I began to experience the presence of God and have these encounters. And I thought... Whatever this is, I want to do this. I want to do this for the rest of my life. So that's why I'm here tonight, and I'm just so thankful to be in a place that wants to do that. That that this is a presence house, and I just want to bless Michael and Larissa. We love you guys, and we're just so thankful for the relationship, for the friendship that God has given us with this house. And that just began this journey of all of, I had all this scripture in me, which I'm so thankful for every vacation Bible school and every Bible story with the pictures and all the different things. I'm so thankful for all of it. But Holy Spirit began to breathe on that foundation of the word and things began to come alive inside of me. And I began to have this insatiable hunger for the word of God. And I began to read the book of Acts and to say, wow, like these miracles, they didn't stop when Jesus went into heaven. They continued through the early church. And so I began to get in these situations where I thought, we got to try this. And I began to lay hands on the sick. And I can't tell you, I was so surprised when people got healed. I mean, sometimes we think you have to have this great faith. But I want to encourage you, just try it. A lot of times faith is just stepping out and trying it. 
And God loves to demonstrate how real he is, especially when we do it outside of this room. I mean, I feel like we get to practice here, but we get to really do it outside the room. And I would encourage you to, to go for it and just to pray for someone outside of this room this week. And so I remember the first time somebody came to me and they said, you know, I invited these demons in my life and I don't know how to get them out. Will you pray for me? And I remember sitting there thinking, I don't really know how to do this, but I read about it in the Bible, and so I'm going to try. And so there in my kitchen, in my apartment in Waco, Texas, I saw Jesus set someone free for the first time. And I saw the power of the blood of Jesus. And that Jesus, the spirit realm is really real. And the name of Jesus really does carry all authority and power and dominion. And demons tremble at the blood of Jesus. And we truly have the victory. It's not just words in a book, it's real. And we've been given the name that truly is above every name. And I saw it happen before my eyes that night. And then we began to see even miraculous things happen. I left Waco and came up here and actually was associate pastor of a church in Carrollton. And, and we would stay after the service because we were just hungry for more of God. And so we would stay late at night. Just going, God, we want to know you more. And one night I was there, and this, the Lord just, he, he said, I want you to pray for this girl. She had, she had a hand, her hand was about like this, and she had no movement in her wrist. And, and, and this hand was shorter than the others. And so I began, then her other hand, and I began to pray for her, and it was, it was like electricity. And I think it lasted for about 30 minutes. It's, it's hard to know. You kind of lose track of time when things like that start happening. And after a while, it was like the electricity stopped. And so I said, well, did anything happen? And she was like, I don't think so. And so she went home, and the next thing I heard was that she was in pain. And, and I thought, man, maybe I, maybe I hurt her wrist. <laughs> you know, we're, we're kind of new to this. And I was really zealous with all the electricity, you know. Maybe I just kind of really hurt her wrist. And, and, and then the next thing I heard was that, she felt like there was growths that were happening in her wrist, and she called her doctor, and her doctor said, those are probably tumors. You need to come in, and we need to check this out. And so I thought, oh, my goodness, maybe I put tumors in her. <laughs> I mean, you know, people told me to stay away from this stuff. So, so then she came to church, and, and, and she was wearing a sling. And I thought, I, I must have broken her wrist. <laughs> and so she finally goes to the doctor, and the doctor finds out that all eight wrist bones that weren't there before are there. And, yeah, Jesus. And they, in the next three months, her wrist grew three inches. And where she had to do this in the past, she couldn't move. She got mobility in her wrist. And I actually have on my iPad a, a, a doctor's report from Baylor Medical Center in Dallas <laughs> that says... We have no explanation of how this happened to this 21-year-old girl. And then it goes into a page and a half of metatarpal, so many degrees, this, and it's trying, you know, trying to give an analysis medically of, of, what, of what happened to her. And it was really the first time I saw the gifts of, mir of miracles in operation. And I just want to say that the Jesus who is inside of you is a miracle-working Jesus. And he doesn't want to just work miracles through a few people. The body of Christ operates in the gift of miracles. And he is going to be performing miracles. And has, many of you have seen miracles. But I believe you're going to see an increase 
that Jesus is a miracle-working God and the power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you. And, and I refuse to act like I serve a weak Jesus. I refuse to act like I have a Jesus who can only heal a little. I refuse to act like I have a Jesus who only loves a little. When he loves incredibly and he has laid down his life for love, I will not hide or veil that love anymore. We serve an amazing Jesus. And I believe tonight that, that he's marking lives. I believe that people are going to have encounters. Uh, I'm not sure what hap- what's going to happen totally tonight, but I, I felt like the Lord said, go places. So <laughs> I'm not totally sure what that means. But if something opens up, we're going to go there. <laughs> Permission granted. And <laughs> so, uh, but I want to give a key of intimacy tonight that is something that, has helped me at times even in some of the darkest places I've had to walk through. And I want to share with you just the key of thanksgiving uh, tonight. And I'm not sure this just because, uh, you know, this is like the one time a year you're supposed to preach on Thanksgiving or anything like that. Um, I just felt like this has been on my heart all week. And then this morning, um, I love Thanksgiving, by the way. Does anybody here love Thanksgiving? And, and I, love, I love the holiday of Thanksgiving. I love the fact that we have a whole holiday based just around giving thanks. And it's also nice to eat some food. Come on, be honest. And some of us did our share. And, but, I, but I love Thanksgiving. And, and I love that we have this holiday that's based on that and just getting together as a family and thanking God for what he's doing. And uh, let's see here. But this morning, I turn on my playlist on Spotify. I have 34 songs on it. And I punch shuffle play, and guess what comes up? The Thanksgiving song out of this house that uh, that Meredith wrote. Now, what are the chances of that out of 34 songs that that would come up the very damn going to Upper Room? It's the only Upper Room song I have right now on my playlist. And and that comes up. And and so I really just, I was like, okay, God, I know, I I know. I already felt like I knew, but now I really know that I know (laughs) that this, this is what you're doing tonight. So what if, what if the amount of Thanksgiving in your life were to double this week? Would, that be, would you be okay with that? What if it were to triple or quadruple? You know, I, I've been pastoring a long time, but I've never had to go up to anyone and say like, hey, you know, you're overthinking. Would you, would you please settle down here? Like there's just too much Thanksgiving. You've kind of stolen, you know, the Thanksgiving. Some of the rest of us need to get to give thanks more and you're kind of sucking it all up and taking all the thanksgiving in the atmosphere. We need you to share it. No, I've, I've never had to do that. And, and so there is room in all of us for more thanksgiving in our lives. And I want to give you some keys tonight that I feel like are going to help, help launch you into some new places in thanksgiving. And that we are called to shift atmospheres. That this is an atmosphere-shifting church. And I, I just want to say tonight, what you, I feel like you guys know, but you can't have worship in a room like this and it not do something in the atmosphere of the city. That this is not stuck in this room. That you are touching things in heaven that are releasing things over this city. And that as, as one house in a city begins to experience the presence of God, I believe that even other houses that may not be as an in, maybe in an intensive place, but the water level even begins to rise in them. 
and, and we pray often. We pray like, God, do miracles in churches that don't even believe you do miracles today. Lord, heal the sick. Father, let pastors prophesy in the pulpit tonight that don't even believe the prophetic exists. But let them begin to prophesy because we have released something in the spirit because we're stepping in to what you have in the region. And that's giving other people access to what God has, has always been wanting to do. So you're not a thermometer tonight. You're not a victim of the atmosphere. You don't just tell the temperature. You are a thermostat. You change the atmosphere where you go. You're not a victim of the atmosphere. You're not a victim of the Monday morning atmosphere at work. You have the capacity to shift that atmosphere. And you can go in, and I guarantee you that one word of, thousand, of, of thanksgiving is more powerful than a thousand words of grumbling. And that you can go in where somebody's grumbling tomorrow morning about the coffee and the coffee. And, and you can go in, and you can say, well, I'm thankful for this. You don't have to, like, bring some kind of correction. Just begin to loose thanksgiving in the atmosphere. And I want to tell you, thanksgiving wins. And, and you can shift the atmosphere away from that grumbling. And, and you can step away. And sometimes we get sucked into that grumbling things ourselves. But we're created to shift and to change atmospheres. And I just want to say tonight that there is no way that we can overthink. Because of what Jesus has done. If he never did one other thing again. If he never did one more good work. It would be worth it for the rest of eternity. With every breath that comes out of our lives. To give thanksgiving to him. Because of the cross. And because of the resurrection. That we can never begin to thank him enough. For all that he has already done for us. And so, so there is room for more thanksgiving. And so I want to look, I want to begin in John chapter 11 tonight. We're going to look at several places where Jesus shifted the atmosphere through thanksgiving. So John chapter 11, verse 39, Jesus said, remove the stone. And Martha, the sister of the sea, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. And so Jesus is going into this atmosphere. They're frustrated with him. They're like, Jesus, why didn't you show up earlier? Lazarus is dead. And in their minds, it's done. And there's grief. There's all of this emotion in the atmosphere. It wasn't an atmosphere of faith. It was an atmosphere of frustration and intense grief. And, and so, verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Verse 41, so they removed the stone and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. Let's just say that right now. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you've heard me. Now, then he begins to explain why he did this. I know that you hear me. <laughs> How many of you think that Jesus probably knew that the Father hears him? Absolutely. But he says, look. I'm saying this because the atmosphere, the people around me needed to know that you hear me. There needed to be an atmosphere shift so that the miracle could take place. And Jesus released that shift through thanksgiving. And something's going to happen as that increase of thanksgiving begins to take place in your life. So because of the people standing around so that they may believe 
that you sent me. And verse 43, when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And so before performing that miracle, Jesus shifted the atmosphere through thanksgiving. Let's look at another example of this. Thanksgiving is a powerful tool to shift atmospheres from unbelief and despair to faith and expectancy. All right, Matthew 15. And Michael said he, he's, he actually talked about this story um, last week. Last week. So, and Jesus called his disciples and said to him, I feel compassion for the people because they've remained with me now for three days and they have nothing to eat and I do not want to send them away hungry for they might faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, where will we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy such a large crowd? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few small fish. All right. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and giving thanks. Say giving thanks. Now, I used to read that and think, yeah, that's kind of like, you know, that's just there. It's kind of this, that's what you do. I, I don't believe that anymore. <laughs> Jesus took the loaves. He took the little in the midst of, like, it needs to be a lot. But it was just a little. And he took that little and he began to focus on the little and to give thanks for the little. In a moment where the lack and the pressure of the lack was pressing in, Jesus focused in on what he had. And he began to give thanks for that. So, you know the, the story, Matthew 15, 37, they all ate and were satisfied and they picked up what was left over, the broken pieces, and there were seven large baskets full left over. And so a miracle key is to stop focus, focusing on what you don't have and to begin, to begin, and begin to begin, to be thankful for what you do have. <laughs> so we need to stop focusing on what we don't have and to begin to thank God for what we do have. And what you do have, you need to hold on to it loosely because you're probably going to have to release what you do have, even though it's just a little bit, and you're thinking, I don't even hardly have enough for my family. But in the kingdom, you release the little you do have so that there can be more half. <laughs> so that there can be abundance. So we gratefully release the little that we have to be broken and shared so that it can be multiplied. And no matter how great the lack or how intense the pressure, we give thanks for what we do have. And so I feel like for some in the room, that's part of your shift tonight, is to stop focusing on the lack, to stop focusing on the lack in your finances and to begin to thank God for the $100 that you have in the bank right now. And to say, Lord, what do you want to do with this $100? This, this, this amazing seed that you've given me. Father, I just release it to you so that you can multiply it. So we want to hold loosely onto the little that we have. It may very well may need to be given and may need to be multiplied. So again, Jesus shifted the atmosphere through the giving of thanks. So you gotta, if you're going to talk about Thanksgiving, you've got to talk about Philippians 4 for a minute. How many of you love, love this verse? Memorized it. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. 
And I remember like one day when this just began to jump out at me, like the Thanksgiving, like, whoa, because I was, I did, I kind of ignored this part. And I thought if I can just keep praying and praying and praying and praying more, that that's going to overcome anxiety. But I found that what would, what would happen a lot of times is I was praying. I would get all focused in to what I didn't have and the decision that I needed to make. And at times, I would even pray myself into more anxiety. None of you here do that, I know. But I just need to confess that sometimes I did that. In my mind, I get to thinking about it. And this is one of the reasons that's really important for us to pray with tongues. Because God wants to give you things to pray that your mind is not going to figure out in a million years. But they're in your spirit, and you got to get past your mind. And so, so even just spending five minutes a day praying in tongues can radically change your life. Because it's going to begin to help, help you get energized and spark the fire of the Holy Spirit in you. And praying in tongues helps you ignite so that you can operate in all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It helps you pray things that you would never, ever figure out. But the Holy Spirit is praying in them inside of you even right now. And you begin to agree with Holy Spirit and to enter into those things. So, but it says prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And I begin to say, oh man, like that's been a, a missing ingredient in my prayer life. So I begin to just thank, I just started thanking God. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing. And I found that I began to thank myself. I began to actually thank God for the thing even that I'd been anxious about five minutes ago, I begin to thank my way like into my future without worrying so much what the answer was. And we're going to talk about this some more tonight, and we're going to even practice this for a few minutes, the Lord willing, of where we're going to pray into something that we've been battling anxiety, and we're actually going to go over it and begin to actually thank God for what he's doing and stop trying to figure out what he's doing. And what happens, what I found, it's like it creates this place where it begins to pull you in, where anxiety was pulling you down. As you begin to thank God into your future, it's like you're actually stepping forward. And, and we're beginning to move towards it. So what you do is you take an area where you have been anxious and you begin to thank God for what he's doing in that area. So like... You stop worrying about your finances and you start thanking God that he's an amazing provider and that he's always provided for you, that he's faithful. And Lord, I just thank you for even for all the rivers of income and the streams of income that are coming my way in 2018. I thank you, Father, for what's been sown and that blessings are chasing me down. And I thank you and I pray even now that you begin to give me wisdom for the money that's headed my way. And you see, I've stepped out of, I don't know how to pay the bill. And I've begun to declare things and release things in the spirit instead of back here being anxious. And, and so you begin to thank God for what he's doing. And I begin to discover this even, even before I was married. I would get anxious like, Lord, am I going to miss her? I remember thinking like, okay, if I don't go out tonight, what if I miss my wife? <laughs> now, you guys are way above this kind of thought. But back in 100 years ago, there was some thought like that. And I would think like, you know, what if, what if I miss her? And, 
And then it was like, you know, I, I met Marcy and she was amazing. And, but I would get all like anxious trying to figure, is she the one? Yes, no, yes, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no. And then I was having to learn how to like, you know, I'd always just live by my feelings. And all of a sudden it's like God was doing something like love and not just infatuation. And I was used to infatuation. So I would come back and if I didn't feel all this great love from ours, I think, she's not the one. <laughs> and so it was in that place that the Lord began to tell me to stop worrying even about whether Marcy was the one in the moment. And he said, start beaming prayers to your wife for your wife and for your future marriage. And I will get you there. And that was kind of how a lot of the seeds of this message Begin to come in my life that I just started beaming prayers. Lord, I thank you for my wife. I thank you that you're knitting us together. Lord, I thank you that she's amazing and she's beautiful. Help her to encounter you right now. Help her to see you. I trust you to bring us together at exactly the right time that you're not going to let me miss her. And, and Father, I just thank you so much for her. Just strengthen her right now. Just continue to ground her in the word and everything you're doing. And I just begin to do that instead of going, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. <laughs> And I want to tell you, there was much more fruit <laughs> in thanking God and stepping into it rather than trying, trying to figure it out. So Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So when you're in that place and you're like, I can't see clearly, I want to challenge you, like dump more Thanksgiving into the equation. Double it. Triple it. Keep alert with an attitude of thanksgiving. And so sometimes, you know, we feel like it's, it's, it's just a fog. And kind of, I, uh, I would take that and paraphrase that, like, prayer is conversation. Stay in that place of continual conversation with God. Don't get stuck in a place of blindness or lack of revelation. But instead, let your prayers be flooded with thanksgiving. So that you will enter into a place of clear focus and revelation as to what the Spirit is doing. And so, so when it feels like this, we need to up the thanksgiving. It's kind of like your spiritual fog lights. Turn on the thanksgiving. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. And clear it up. And by the way, I'm really sorry for my corny graphics. And the media team at Convergence and the media team at Upper Room is not responsible for any of these graphics. So please do not blame them in any way for any of these graphics because they get worse. So I'm really sorry. So 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 6 and 7. Not 18, 6 through 8, that's what that is, with a 1 thrown in. It's all good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's the most powerful thing I've done all night. Put that slide up there. Some of you woke up for that. That was awesome. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, help me. Give thanks. Give thanks. So be joyful again. That's what rejoice means. And, and you probably haven't been overjoyful too. Like, you know, we haven't had to, there's probably room for more of that. 
and then stay in a conversation with God. That's what prayer is. You are, in, you are called into an eternal conversation with God that never ends. For now and all eternity, you're in a conversation with God. So just keep going. Just keep going. When it's tough, keep going. Don't stop the conversation. If you're frustrated with God, don't worry about it. You're not going to just keep going. Tell him how frustrated. You know, just stay in that place of conversation. And then in everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if you want to know the will of God tonight, you're like, I don't know the will of God. I don't know where to go. I want to say this is the will of God. And if you do this, I want to guarantee you, God's going to get you where you need to be. If you stay in a conversation with him, you stay in that place of joy, and you're giving thanks in everything, you're going to be in the will of God. And I used to think of the will of God was kind of like a tightrope. It was kind of like, uh, you know, I was kind of afraid that, like, the will of God is this really delicate thing, you know. And, and many times I felt like, Maybe I kind of got out of sync and I wasn't ever going to really get back in the flow of the will of God. And I, want to, I just want to say tonight, I don't believe the will of God's like that at all. I don't believe we're on some kind of delicate tightrope tonight. You know, I used to think of it and I'm kind of, I can be a task oriented person. So I used to think like, God, just give me the download. Send me an email every day and just tell me what you want me to do on an email checklist and I will do it. And so it's kind of, you know, kind of like this. I'm kind of like, just tell me, Lord. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just sync it up. I'll sync my watch perfectly with the will of God. And I will live. And I will, I will have so much more fruit in my life. Now, isn't that, that's kind of scary to even think that way. Because... Even if God did download and said that to us, we could never do that apart from intimacy with him. And it's all about intimacy with Jesus. So thank God it's not about having this exact tightrope of the will of God, but the will of God is really more like a river. <laughs> and so we get in the river of the will of God. We rejoice. We stay in conversation. We stay in a place of thanksgiving. And you just get in that river of Holy Spirit flowing. And you don't have to be exactly lined up right here or there. But whatever you do, you stay in the river. And the river of God is going to take you where you need to be. Because somebody cares about it a lot more than you do. And you have a really good Heavenly Father, who is good at getting people just like you and me exactly where they need to be. And so we get in that river of the will of God, of thanksgiving, and of walking in that place of intimacy with Him. You know, it's kind of like uh, several years ago, we were in China, and, and we were driving, and you know, here in Texas, when you drive, it's your lane. Like, you get in my lane, dude, you better watch out. That's my lane. And, you know, we, we honk and, you're like, you own the lane. I'm here first. I was here before you. This is my lane. Stay out. You know, and that's the way it works in Texas. But you go drive. Like, when we were driving in China, it was, it was scaring me. All this, it's like, it's more like a river. And if the person next to you is coming over, the whole thing goes over. I'm like, dude, you don't own your lane here. And I think the kingdom... 
of God and walking in the will of God is more like that. It's not this strict thing of this narrow lane, but it's, a, it's more like a river. It's more of staying in the flow of what Holy Spirit is doing. And so thanksgiving is a key to that. Psalm 100 verse 4. A few more things and we're going to pray here. I will enter his gates. There we go. That's not their fault either. That's my fault. Um, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Now, this is not just a nice song from the 1980s. It's actually Psalm 100 verse 4. And it's not just there for decoration. We actually enter into gates through thanksgiving. And there's places we need to go. There's gates we need to enter in. There's experiences and things that we need to enter into in the heavenly places so that we can release it on the earth. There's places, and I believe in this room, I just want to declare over many people that you're going to begin to have encounters in a fresh way in this season in your life. Because there's places you need to go in the heavenlies. There's things that Jesus wants to show you. He wants to give you a fresh glimpse of who he is. He wants you to stare into his eyes and see the fire and feel the fire of his love for you to experience afresh the reality of who he is. And it's not like that's an optional thing for where we're going. It's all about him. And so... There are going to be these encounters and there's gateways that we've got to go through that are part of our going forward in the future. Thanksgiving is a gateway into the will of God. And it's a key to entering in to gateways of destiny. All right. Our final poor graphic tonight. This is our... Uh, I'm really sorry. I know. Lord, heal everyone's eyes. Jesus' name. Right now. I would feel sorry for you if this is the image that gets stuck with you tonight. So, this is Fred. And he's been hitting this wall. A great wall. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been really frustrating. But what he begins to do is he begins to thank over that wall. Rather than just trying to beat his way through that wall, he begins to thank over that wall. And we're going to practice this here in, in just a moment. Where we're we're going to tap in beyond the wall. Because there's some of you that are here tonight and you're in a place of huge transition. How many of you would raise your hand and say, I'm in a place of huge transition tonight? Okay. Yeah, me too. My hand is raised. And in that place, it's, it can be hard to like sense what's next. And, and do I go here? Do I go there? And, and we're battling anxiety and there's pressures. And am I going to miss it? And all of these things. And so what you begin to do, rather than just trying to hit that wall and figure it out and, and, and work your brain harder, you actually go over the wall. And you start thanking God into that place. Lord, I thank you for the relationships that are going to surround me in this next season. And I pray that you'd make me the man I need to be in those relationships. And that you would prepare the people that are going to surround me in this next place where I'm going. 
And see what you did. You stopped trying to figure it out and you started praying into something tangible about it. And Lord, I thank you for the finances for this season. You're a faithful provider. And I thank you for the abundance. And Lord, I pray that the level of intimacy with you that's needed in this next season, that you would begin to birth into my life now. And that I would be ready for the increase for where you're taking me in 2018. That you would find me ready. And Lord, for whatever doesn't need to come from 2017 and from my past, whatever doesn't go into this new place where you're transitioning me, I pray you'd begin to break it off in Jesus' name. And I pray that I'd begin to have encounters, Lord, that would take me into that place. And I just want to thank you for that place. Prepare the atmosphere. Lord, prepare the harvest that you have for me in this new place where you're taking me. Let the people be ready so that when I pray, when I mention your name, their hearts are open. And they're ready to receive what you have to give through my life. And so we've stepped from a place of anxiety that would pull us back and pull us down. And we've begun to sow across the wall in faith and thanking God for what he's doing. And I found this to be such a powerful tool of intimacy. One of the things that, that we've had the honor and privilege of doing around the world is teaching a lot on, on activating the prophetic. And one of my favorite ways to activate the prophetic is by just going up and beginning to thank God for what he's doing in someone's life when I have no clue at that moment what he's doing. I want, I want to encourage you to try this. Like, like you can actually thank your way into a prophetic word for a person because you'll begin to thank God and you start general. Like, Lord, I just thank you that you really love this person. Okay? And by the way, don't ever negate the power of that. It's said over and over in Scripture. And, and honestly, I believe some of the most, the most powerful, one of the most powerful words I ever gave was a time when the Lord just said, all you can tell this person is that I love them. And, and I told this girl in the front row that God really loves her. And she came up at the end of the service and she said, you're not going to believe this. But when I came today, I said, God, if you, I've had the hardest week of my life. If you really love me, have Steve give me a word today. And she was the one person in the room. There were 300 people in the room that day. Maybe the most powerful prophetic word I've ever given and ever will give. I would be fine with that. But you can actually thank your way into prophetic word for someone. Because you'll start thanking God. You'll say, God, I thank you that you, that you love him. I thank you for this and that. And you're going to find that you begin to be drawn into it's going to narrow. And then you're going to start thanking for this season. And then you're going to start thanking God that he's releasing this. And it's going to get more and more specific. And you actually just thank your way into a place of revelation. So I want to ask you tonight... Um, we're going to stand in just a second. I want to just make a couple uh, declarations to wrap this up. All right. So, yes. Uh, you know, um, I looked in my sermons and I just sit down. I just learned to sit down and I just begin to type. I used to spend hours like striving to know what I was to preach. Like, Lord, do I preach in Thanksgiving at the upper room? No, yes, yes. They probably know it. No, they don't. Yes, they do. It worked last time. No, it didn't work. And I, you just got, you're just sitting there and you just get confused and you're getting more and more anxious. And just, I just start thanking God for what he's doing. And I, I literally type it. And I found I had 300 sermons where I just sitting down, sat down, sitting down. <laughs> that means it's about time to wrap up. <laughs> when I start inventing words, it happened this morning. It happened this, mo this morning right at 12 noon. Um, so... 
So I've, I have 300 sermons, though, where I just sat down and began to type, and God began to give me revelation when I began to thank Him for what He's doing rather than trying to figure out what He's doing. And some of you are going to do that. I feel like some of you are going to go home and even do some of that tonight. So, Father, I thank you for what you're doing. And, and we can do this because God is really good and he really loves you. He's so good that he's working the worst thing in your life together for good. That's how good your heavenly father is. That you got to be really good to do that. And his love, nothing is ever going to separate you from his love. You can, his love will never end. His loving kindness never ceases. There's never an end to the love that God has for you. You can never exhaust it. And so we can always give thanks to him. So let me make a few declarations here. Thanksgiving is meant for really tough times. It's meant for the moment when people are mad at you because like the situation where their brother Lazarus had died. It's for the moment when someone is sitting at the table about to betray you. Jesus gave thanks knowing that he was about to be betrayed. He released thanksgiving into the atmosphere. It's for the moment when the odds are overwhelmingly against you. It is meant for that moment when there truly is not enough. And it is meant for the place and the time of serious lack. And it's meant for the moment when you're being overwhelmed with anxiety. It is meant for the moment when it is so spiritually foggy that you aren't sure where God is or what in the world he wants you to do. Thanksgiving is for that moment. And there are miracles that God wants to work in that moment. Miracles of multiplication. Miracles of totally confusing and destroying our enemies as we give thanks. There's miracles of relational healing, of provision, multiplication, of incredible peace where anxiety has been dominating. Miracles of clarity and direction where there's been a fog for a long time. Thanksgiving is about choosing a different focus. It is about knowing that Jesus did so much for you on the cross that you never, ever need another reason to overflow with thanksgiving for all eternity. It is about no longer waiting to thank when, but finding the reason to thank now. It is about eyes to see a little feeding a multitude. It is about celebrating the little and rejoicing even in the lack. It is about letting go of the little that you have and letting it be broken and broken and broken time and time again so that it can be multiplied. It is about celebrating the goodness and the love of God even in the moments where the circumstances are yelling no. We will give thanks. In everything, give thanks. I want you to stand tonight. Thank you, Lord. Yes, God. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information about the upper room, please visit Europe.org.